A lot of what we did this week was centered around effective communication, team communication, communicating with our families and our patients. And oftentimes that skill is just as important as the care we deliver and the manner in which we deliver it. Hello, simulationistas, and welcome to Brief Debriefings from the Center for Medical Simulation. I'm James Lipsha, producer of these CMS podcasts and all of our media and web experiences. I had a chance to talk to some of the amazing educators who took the time at the end of a busy week because they were really excited to share some of their experiences and the things they were surprised by in our faculty course. We thought it might be useful to you, our listeners, to hear a little bit directly from them. So take a listen, and I'd also encourage you to tweet me at James Lipshaw or us at MedSimulation if you want to hear more or if there's anyone else you'd like to hear from. Enjoy! So welcome folks to Brief Debriefings at the Center for Medical Simulation. I'm James Lipshaw, our instructional designer, and I am here today with three recent folks who have completed the IMS Comprehensive Workshop. Greg Lauk is a nurse anesthetist and assistant professor in the nurse anesthesia program at the University of St. Francis in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Lisa Osborne is a nurse anesthetist and the director of the nurse anesthesia program in the same program at the University of St. Francis. And Tanya Schneidereith is a PhD nurse practitioner and associate professor at the University of Maryland School of Nursing in Baltimore, Maryland. So welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. So just to start off, how are you guys feeling after those very intense five days? Uh, tired, yeah. A little overwhelmed. Lots and lots of information. Great information. Overwhelmed, but super excited to take back what we've learned this week um, and enable our students to to have better educational experiences. You've just completed the five-day course here in Boston at the Center for Medical Simulation. First question I have to sort of start off our, our little 15-minute conversation, sort of a two-parter, which is what is the, the project that you were working on for your institution and what was the biggest question you had coming into this week that you were trying to get solved? What, what problem were you trying to solve for your, for your group? So we came to develop a new course that we're teaching at the University of St. Francis for our nurse anesthesia students for um, on anesthesia crisis resource management. So we wanted some tips and tricks on how to best deliver that content to make it most relevant for the students and how we could utilize debriefing strategies to really help them get the most out of it. You know, we've run some simulations with them in the past, but the debriefing hasn't really been a target of ours, more just running the simulation. And so in crisis situations, it's a very important part to, to allow the students to go through that debriefing and, and learn in that manner. Yeah, at the University of Maryland, Baltimore, we are so fortunate to have a bunch of different professional schools uh, within about a six block radius. So we have nursing and medicine, physical therapy, and social work and pharmacy, just a multitude. And in addition, we have a big medical center in the middle of all of it. So one of the things I wanted to work on was developing more of an interprofessional education program where we could have experiential learning to bring in students from all of the different schools and help translate best practices then into their practice in the hospital. To sort of follow that up, do you feel like you have an answer to take home about what you're trying to do? Yeah, I, I really think that, I think we came into it with a very open mind, not really under, knowing what to expect 
and walking away, not only have we been given a skill set on how to meet those objectives, but for me personally, I walked away with so much more, uh, how to be a better educator, communicator, team player, working with, to Tanya's point, people from different professions, and in this particular cohort this week, international healthcare providers as well. So that was a, it was a great experience. I think another benefit of being participants in this week is that we were able to actively be engaged in simulation experiences from the learner's perspective. And for me, it's been quite some time since I had the opportunity to do that. So to regain an appreciation and greater empathy for what yeah. they're going through yeah, absolutely. Uh, was a, a new perspective that I, I hadn't necessarily anticipated. We do hear a lot from folks that it's, you know, it's been a little while since they've been in a simulation, so they sort of forget the, the feeling of anxiety that comes yeah. along with that or, the, you know, the fear of being judged for performing yeah. in, you know, a way that isn't up to your own personal expectations for yourself or even knowing the material and somehow not being able to cover that, that gap from knowledge to performance. Sometimes we talk about, you know, there's a, there's a knowledge gap or there's a performance gap or there's some space in between those. Um, and particularly for folks who are healthcare educators who are trained in healthcare and not necessarily education, there's material that they're not even aware that they didn't know. So when they come in and they get sort of the, the experience of what does really high level best practice education look like, there were things they weren't even aware that they were missing. So was there anything like that for you guys where you learned something that you weren't even aware that you were necessarily missing? I think that for me, that was the whole structured debriefing process. You know, we learned the basic assumption that we can apply to our learners, you know, stay curious and really the expectation that everybody's capable and they're going through the simulation with a targeted objective. Not always is that objective to perform a clinical skill. A lot of what we did this week was centered around effective communication, team communication, communicating with our families and our patients. And oftentimes that skill is just as important as the care we deliver and the manner in which we deliver it. So I think having a way to take our learners through a structured debriefing process to allow them to get those feelings out and talk about communication is super important. Yeah, I would say with this in particular, the idea of uh, hidden judgments, the things that we don't necessarily think about but are kind of internal to who we are is to look at people uh, with an, uh, an open mind and understand that what is their idea behind it, what's their story, if you will. I think, too, sharing what we're thinking and the value that that imparts to our learners and not just trying to figure out what it is that they know but to share what it is that we know, what our experience brings, can help them feel a little bit more comfortable to share share what they were thinking. Yeah. yeah, because so often it's a part of, I think, what is ingrained in us in that we don't want to give away the right answer mm -hmm. because we want the student to tell us that they know the right answer. Yeah. But if what we want them to take away from it is a valuable learning experience, it's not always a, the most important thing that they produce the answer when they don't know what we're looking for. And it, it increases their anxiety and stress levels a lot. One of my favorite things to do when I'm designing simulations, particularly for this course, because it's so focused on that metal level of educating educators, is simulations where there's not actually a clinical question 
which is to say, you know, sometimes we go into a simulation, it's like, okay, when's somebody going to go down and we're going to have to start the code? Or when, when am I going to have to figure out diagnostically what's going on here? But for the clinical, they're not actually to be a clinical question, it to be more of pr just practicing talking with people and making yeah. sure that your team is in sync. In. Yeah, that, that actually, that's a very good point. And it was, uh, it was early on in the, uh, in the week that I had to step back away from, okay, I'm not being evaluated on clinical knowledge or um, how to go through these different simulations. What I'm learning is how to tell a story and hear a story and how to meld those two components together to facilitate learning uh, from people. That was kind of a, one of those light bulb or epiphanies, if you will, about day two. I was like, you know what? This is not about what I know. It's about what I need to learn. And ultimately, how do I get out of the way, uh, get myself out of the way of that? Yeah, I think if our learners don't have an idea of where we're coming from, then we've, we've lost that opportunity to teach them because we, we are trying to get to their frames and we don't know whether they did the right thing for the right reason or the right thing for the wrong reason or you know all the iterations of that. So again, not trying to figure out what it is that they know, but where they were coming from can help us improve outcomes. Yeah. And the idea that, well, outcomes are super important. What's more important is the thought process that got you there because, you know, you may do everything right and have a bad outcome and you have to reinforce that actually you did everything right here. It's just that the situation was too critical That's to right. control That's right. or, you know, or it, it was always going to be this way, you know, That's when right. a person came into the, into the emergency room, for example, versus you may have gotten a good outcome, but in fact, the th when we look at the thought process, it turns out that you were completely on the wrong track and you happened to give epi, which was the right thing here, but you gave it for the wrong reason. Yeah, um, absolutely. So getting into what they're thinking and making sure that they're following sort of good patterns of thought and not just being really outcome focused yeah. is, is yeah. really critical. Yeah. My next question is, you're going to go, you're going to get on the plane to go home, probably going to need a couple days to sleep and process, but do you have a day one going back to your institution what you want to do when you go in the door the first day, like something that you want to, to start implementing immediately. We're going back to, um, we run on a three semester cycle, so we don't have a break between semesters. So we're going back and hitting the ground running. Yeah. I give my first lecture in our uh, ACRM course on Thursday. So we won't be doing simulations this first month, but um, I will be immediately going back into the mode of how to work through this design. Greg and I will be doing that yeah. and how we can best integrate these um, simulations into the, into the course. And we got some really great advice from the faculty here at CMS while we were here this week in multiple different areas, yeah. um, which is super helpful. So it's not gonna be much of a break. And I think that will help me in not having a big gap in between being here and then utilizing those new skills. To that point, it's a matter of, of the practicing so as, as we've gone and learned these things each day, I think to myself, how can I use this in every everyday life even, not only communicating with students, but communicating with my family, friends and colleagues and so forth. That's where that communication piece comes in. So it's just a matter of just, just continually practicing uh, because the faculty here in particular, they do it so freely obviously they've been doing it for a very long time they're all so experienced at it that is the goal to get to that point to be able to do that 
And I think that's such a valuable point that what we've learned isn't just for debriefing, that, that it's for the way that we relate with people and the way that we have conversations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So taking it into those other aspects. Yeah. I know I'll use it with my teenagers. Yeah. For sure. It's funny that you mentioned that. Um, some of our, our <laughs> faculty, when they teach, particularly the methods for inquiry, often they'll say, you know, the, the important thing is to go home and when you use this, make sure that you're doing safe, modest tests of the skill <laughs> right. before you go to try to debrief the spiciest thing that's yeah, happening in your yeah, life. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, we've we've had folks leave feeling a little too empowered and say, hey, I went home and tried to use an advocacy inquiry on my wife and it didn't go well. Make sure that you're getting some batting practice in before you go to aim at something really yeah. that's going to get you really emotionally activated. Because yeah. yeah. it's yeah. a really good yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> Sound advice. Yeah. <laughs> sort of a, a final question is, what's sticking in your head right now that you're going to be thinking about on your in your travels home? I think for me, it is the value of imparting what I have learned over the years uh, as a nurse. I'm not really great at sharing that perspective. It's been said over and over and over again that there is such value there that helps decrease learner anxiety and helps them open up. Uh, So I, I am really going to work on sharing more of me to to help educate future nurses. For me, it's it's staying in the the mode of being curious, maintaining that true curiosity throughout my relationships with my learners to figure out not why did you do that, but why did you do that? You know, get at what they were thinking and and try to discover, you know, why they did something great or maybe why they did something that wasn't so great and help them use it as a learning moment. For me, it comes back to asking the right questions. Very much the way that I learned um, in my uh, anesthesia education, nursing education, is tell me everything you know about this particular thing. And I've used that, or tell me what you would do differently, these kind of hidden concepts that that you tell me all about it. I need to get away from that and uh, really delve into what their mindset is, what their thought process is. So you had mentioned previously um, getting some special coaching on on your program in particular, so I'd love to hear a little bit about who you were working with and what those conversations were like. Well, we um, were connected with Bob Nettleberg, and uh, he sat with us during lunch, and we just kind of picked his brain because he runs the, the ACRM course here for providers, and just kind of let him know what we were working on and took his feedback and he gave us some great, great ideas. He exposed us to the, the name, claim, aim. <laughs> yes, got it. Which is great, delineation of roles and how to manage a crisis, which is something we can in- incorporate into the course. Um, and just kind of got his feedback on how they run the course here and how we can translate that into um, using that with our students. Because it is a little different when you're running the crisis simulations with student learners versus uh, seasoned providers but we figured he would be the guy. Yeah, and for our listeners, Bob Nadelberg is the uh, associate director of our anesthesia programs here, uh, along with Rebecca Meinhart, um, and he is not normally involved in the week-long course, and so he came in special to help he with did. a program that is doing um, anesthesia crisis resource management as well. Um, and if folks are curious about name, claim, aim, uh, there's more information about that available on our website, harvardmedsim.org, and uh, there's also some up- coming publications 
I'm with Rebecca Meinhardt and Bob as leads on that. They can find more information about that if they just search Center for Medical Simulation Name Claim Aim. Any final thoughts? I just really appreciate the opportunity to attend the course. I, I felt like it was an incredibly productive and enlightening week. I really appreciated all the faculty and all of our fellow participants, meeting people from across the country, across the world, getting to collaborate, and then the ability to stay in touch and take that collaboration forward as we try to move our educational processes into the next round. For me, I'm going to be picking apart all these various little nuggets of learning that, I, that I'm going to take away. It, it wasn't just a simulation course, that there was so much more that I was able to gain from this. So it, it's, it's, uh, it's going to take me a little bit to process it all. Yeah, there's, there, there's really a lot of unpacking of uh, information that needs to happen. But the one takeaway for me was the level of engagement from the faculty. The, they had a, uh, an, an interest in every one of us individually and in, in how uh, we were learning each week. And that started from day one. As soon as we walked through the door, Two of them were, came up and introduced themselves and made you feel like you were part of a family, really. Tanya, Lisa, Greg, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today. If folks listening would like more information about the Comprehensive Instructor Workshop, they can find that at harvardmedicine.org. Once again, thank you so much thank uh, you, for James. being here. Yeah. Thank you folks for listening. And safe travels. All right. Thank you. Thank you.